Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Christmas Lights. It's interesting that lights have become one of the most notable decorations used to celebrate the birth of the one who is called the light of the world. We'll take a closer look at what this means during this message series, Christmas Lights. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Well, Christmas lights are shining all around us, even here in the room this morning. And I know as you drive down the roads, as you go through your neighborhoods, you, you see houses that are putting lights on them. You know, maybe it's the traditional candles in the windows and the Christmas tree in the house. Or maybe it's the over-the-top with the lighted inflatables and lights on everything in the entire yard. I think probably all of us uh, decorate for Christmas with lights. Raise your hands if you use lights in your Christmas decorations. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, unanimous. Um, so we do that because of something that happened uh, decades ago. In the 18th century, German tradition uh, was to bring a tree into the house. And somewhere along the way, somebody decided to put a candle on one of the boughs in the tree to symbolize what Jesus said about himself. And if you remember from John chapter 8, he said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Today and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about uh, walking in the light of the world and never having to walk in darkness again in our life. So if you would, bow your heads and pray with me. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to be the light of the world. Thank you for shining into this dark world and into the darkness in our lives to tell us that you are with us, you are there, and you desire for us to know you so that we will never Walk alone. Speak to us today, Lord. Minister to each and every single one of us in the way that we need to be ministered to. We pray this in the name of the one who is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Amen. A British medical doctor shared this story about his interaction with Doris, an 82-year-old hospital patient. Uh, Two days before Christmas, Doris seemed healthy and ready for discharge. But for some reason, she kept complaining about inexplicable health issues. The doctor wrote these notes. He said, yesterday it was her arm that was hurting. Before that, it was her hip. Uh, The truth is, Doris is an incredibly healthy 82-year-old, and we can't find anything wrong with her. And I have no doubt it will be the same today, even though I'm going to order some more tests. When the tests came back, they were normal. And so he told Doris that he would have to stick to the plan of sending her home. Doris looked down at the floor and quietly said, I don't want to go home. It's just, I'm all alone. And there are so many hours in the day. And then after a long pause, she sighed and said, Doctor, can you give me a cure for loneliness? The doctor reflected afterwards saying, I I wish I could have said yes. I I wish I could have prescribed her some antidepressants and be satisfied that I had done my best. But the truth is, she's not clinically depressed. It's just that she's lonely. The most difficult part is that 
I don't know how to solve this, although I wish I could. For now, I'm going to simply retract my diagnosis, and sheepishly, I'm going to insist that Doris spends Christmas in the hospital this year. And he said when he told her, her mood lifted. Recognizing that loneliness has become epidemic, earlier this year, the British prime minister appointed a minister of loneliness to address the issue in that nation. Here in the United States, though, loneliness is no different. Uh, Former U.S. Surgeon General Murthy wrote just last year these words. He says, we live in the most technologically connected age in the history of civilization. Yet rates of loneliness have doubled since the 1980s. Today, over 40% of adults in America report feeling loneliness. And research suggests the real number is much higher. Additionally, the number of people who report having a close confidant in their lives has been declining for the past few decades. And he said, during my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was not heart disease, not diabetes. It was loneliness. The elderly man who came to the hospital every few weeks seeking relief from chronic pain was also looking for human connection. He was lonely. The middle-aged woman battling advanced HIV who had no one to call to inform that she was sick, she was lonely too. I found that loneliness was often in the background of clinical illness, contributing to disease and making it harder for patients to cope and to heal. Loneliness and weak social connections are associated with a reduction in lifespan. He writes, similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. For our health and our work, it's imperative that we address the lonely epidemic as quickly as we can. Now, if you think loneliness is just uh, something that the elderly experience or somebody that the under-resourced experience or or just uh, unknown people experience, think again. Oscar-winning actress Anne Hathaway confessed, loneliness is my least favorite thing about life. The thing that I'm most worried about is just being alone without anybody to care for or someone who will care for me. Josh Whedon, director of the movie The Avengers, he said, loneliness is about the scariest thing out there. Albert Einstein wrote, it is strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. Marilyn Monroe said, sometimes I think the only people who stay with me and really listen to me are people I hire, people I pay. You know, while God created us to feel the emotion of loneliness, God doesn't want us to be alone. From the very dawn of creation, God created the human need for relationships. And we see that at creation. When God created the very human, very first human, we read that God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, a companion. But God's provision didn't stop there. In fact, God knew what we all know so well now, which is that at the same time in which we feel we can be the most connected with others in the history of the universe, we still still feel alone. And this dark epidemic of loneliness that we are seeing may have caught us by surprise, but it didn't catch God by surprise. 
You see, God sent his son Jesus to bring light into the darkness of loneliness by being the God who is with us. You know, when you read the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, you see that Joseph and Mary were betrothed. They were engaged to be married. And during that time, God sent an angel to speak to Mary and said, you've been chosen to be the mother of the Son of God, and you'll be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And she agreed to it. But when Joseph found out she was pregnant, he did what just about anybody else would do. He said he thought she had cheated on her. And so he was ready to call it off. And one night when he was asleep, He had a dream, and in that dream, God spoke to him, and he said, Joseph, son of David, take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. The God who is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. The God who doesn't want us to be alone because he promised to be with us. That's why Jesus came to earth, to be God with us, so that we could be saved, so that we could know God forever and spend eternity with him. D.A. Carson wrote this, there's no greater blessing that can be conceived than for God to dwell with his people, with you and me. The prophets understood this. Look at what the prophets said in their prophecies about the God who dwells with us and will drive the darkness of loneliness away. Isaiah wrote these words, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, the darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. God promises to be with us and to give us light in the darkness. The prophet Ezekiel prophesies about a new city where we are to live in eternity. He says this, the name of that city from that time on will be the Lord is there. The Lord is with them. The Lord is present with them. That means that where we are, the Lord is there too. In the book of Revelation, Uh, God gives this prophecy to John, and he says this about the new Jerusalem. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb, Jesus, is its lamp. What does all this mean? That Jesus is and will be with us, and where Jesus is, there is light that shines into our lives and drives the darkness of doubt and loneliness away. Jesus is the one called God with us. And that designation evokes what John wrote in the first chapter of his gospel. He said, the Son of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
And if that wasn't enough, we see at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus promises just before he ascends into heaven that he would be with us to the end of the age. Now, if you're like me, you're saying, well, how can Jesus be with us since he's ascended into heaven? The Son of God has kept that promise through the promised Holy Spirit that each one of us is given when we decide to believe in and follow Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples these words, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. So God, the Holy Spirit, keeps the promise of being God with us. When you came to, when you came to faith in Jesus, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. And he is with you now and forever. So what does that mean? That means you and I are never alone. We never are alone in darkness. We are never alone in the brightness of day. Even when we feel lonely, we're still not alone. God is with us. We're not alone in any way. God, the Holy Spirit, dwells in us and with us. God made a promise that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us, and he has kept that promise first through Jesus and then Jesus and the Father through sending the Holy Spirit. Now, practically speaking, how do we have a relationship with someone that we can't see, someone that we can't touch? Well, the way we have all relationships, through communication. Through communication, we have a relationship with God by talking to God. It's really no different than having a, a long-distance friendship. You know, if you have a friend who, who lives in, in Florida, you can't see them, you can't hug them or shake their hand, but you can still have a relationship with them. You can communicate with them. You can talk to them on the phone. You can, you can build a relationship. I, I have a friend who lives in Tampa. Uh, we've spent more time in our relationship on the phone than we have in person, but, but he's a close friend. We talk about deep stuff together. We have an incredible relationship but I rarely see him. I rarely get to hug him. We have a relationship because we communicate. How does God speak to us? He speaks to us through Scripture. That's why we encourage you to read Scripture daily. We want to encourage you to, to listen to what God has to say with you and to study and, and to let it permeate your life. But God also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to be our teacher, to be our guide, to be our comforter. And the Holy Spirit's going to guide us and speak to us. He's going to nudge us. You won't necessarily hear an audible voice, but I'm not going to say that that won't happen because God can do whatever God wants. God will speak to us. And God can use people or circumstances or things to speak to us. Now, as I say that to you, I need to put a caveat on that. We, we have to be discerning when God speaks to us, when we think God speaks to us through people or circumstances or things. Because here's the truth. God will never contradict Scripture. That's God's word to us. So if you experience something or somebody speaks to you, uh, something that contradicts Scripture, I guarantee you that's not from God. But here's what you need to know. God is with us, and he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants to communicate with, uh, to us, and he wants us to communicate with him. So we never have to live in this world in a dark sense of loneliness. 
God sent his son to be God with us. But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop when God, the Father, and the Son sent the Holy Spirit to be God with us. He didn't stop because he also sent to us a place to belong. The God who gives us a place to belong. Let's talk about that. A study was conducted at Harvard, and they tracked what really makes human beings feel happy. The study's director, George Valiant, when asked what they had learned, answered very pointedly. He said that the only thing that really matters in life are your relationships to other people. In the two decades since, uh, scientists have discovered that this truth is even hardwired into human brains. Researcher Daniel Goleman summarizes it this way. The most fundamental revelation of the discipline of neurobiology is that we are wired to connect. God created us to connect with one another. God created us to be in relationship. God created us to be in community. And that's why God gave us this thing called the church. 50 days after Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came down on those followers of Jesus Christ and they filled the presence of everyone who said they were followers and the church was born. On the day that the church was born, and you can read about it in the book of Acts chapter 2. We can read about it in the New Testament. It was made up of people who believed in and followed Jesus Christ. So the church is a gathering of people who believe in and follow Jesus, who have been adopted into God's family as his spiritual sons and his spiritual daughters. Now, with that in mind, we have to understand then that the church is a family. And while you you can't find a single verse that will say that and what the purpose of the church is, you can read about the purpose of the church, particularly in the book of Acts uh, chapter 2. It really talks about what those relationships looked like. Remember, it's, it's a group of people who believe in and follow Jesus. And it says this, they studied the teaching of Scripture together. They gathered to worship God together. They ate meals together. They connected with each other, and that requires to be together. They prayed together, and they took care of each other together. It was community. Now, when we read the New Testament, we see that everybody who believes in Christ belongs together, connected as if what Scripture says, they were one body. Now, that's Paul, how he Uh, likes to describe uh, the body of Christ. Uh, He gives us this word picture that all Christians create this body. And, And this is what he writes in Romans chapter 12. He says this, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong together. Paul uses this word picture. And if you've read the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he goes into details and he really begins to even talk about the different parts. He talks about hands and ears and eyes and nose and feet and elbows and knees. And he talks about the fact that we're all different parts of the body. But we're together, one body. 
that we belong to one another, that we're connected. And he even goes on further. He talks about how we're each individually wired to contribute, to have a special gift to use, to help the body grow and do what God has called us to do. And he goes into several examples. But, but the key is this. We all belong to each other. You see, not only do we have a God who is with us, we also have a God who gives us a place to belong. And yes, it's called the church. Now, let's be clear. Uh, the church isn't for perfect people because none of us is perfect. hope I didn't burst anybody's bubble. All right. Um, the church isn't for people who have all their stuff together because none of us does. That's a relief, isn't it? Um, the church isn't for saints because we're all sinners. And the Bible tells us that through the prophet Isaiah and through the apostle Paul. And in fact, the church isn't just for people who believe in Jesus. Because at one time, we were all unbelievers. And many of us attended church in our unbelief. I attended church for the first 19 years of my life as an unbeliever. So the church is for all people and all people are welcome. It's a place where we can belong. And most importantly, it's a place where we can become followers of Christ. Now, let me be clear. You become a part of the church like Paul said, uh, like he was talking about, when you decide to believe in Jesus and, and follow him. And when you become a follower of Jesus you belong in two ways. Not only do you have a place that you call your church home, that place where you gather with other followers of Jesus Christ to worship, to learn, to study, to care for one another, to, to build into one another's lives, but you also belong because you've become a part of the body of Christ. You are a son or a daughter of God. You're part of God's family. God gave us the church, and he created it to be the best place on earth. When you read through the New Testament, you see how we're supposed to relate to one another and care for one another. And in a perfect world, you, you see how the New Testament verses encourage us how we're to live with one another. Now, they are commands, but they are commands on how to relate to one another in a loving, caring, and compassionate way. So when Jesus Christ, the light of the world, shines his light into the darkness of our loneliness, he comes to reveal to us all things. He wants us to see that, that he came so that we would not be alone eternally or even while we live on this earth from him. He came so that we would understand that there's a community for us called the church and that we're supposed to be in relationship with us. And he came so that we would understand that, that in those relationships that we're supposed to work on them because all relationships take work. And he wants to reveal to us when they're not going well, if we're not aware of it, so that we can work on them. Now, I know when I say that uh, the church is supposed to be the best place on earth, some of you are saying, well, it hasn't always been the best place on earth for me. So let's talk about that, that pink elephant in the room, so to speak. You know, the reality is that many people have been hurt by followers of Jesus Christ. Um, those in leadership, uh, those who uh, they attend church with, or those who they just uh, happen to know are followers of Christ. Uh, I tend to call that experience church hurt. And, and, you know, because the church is supposed to be the best, best place on earth when you experience church hurt, 
it's probably the worst kind of hurt that you experience because that's the one place in this world that it's not supposed to happen. But here's the deal. I experience conversations about people that have, that have had church hurt. I, I see in the news, like you do, the fact that leaders have allowed uh, heinous kinds of abuse and hurt to happen. And the reality is, is that we have to deal frankly with this. And we have to hold those accountable who have, who have hurt and abused people in ways that are immoral, illegal, and unethical according to God's word. But the reality is this. Some of us experienced church hurt in some of the ways that we experienced hurt when we were kids and we would do things in grade school that would, would make us not be friends with one another. Yes, some of those times, uh, they're significant hurts. But sometimes they're slights. But the reality is this. We've been called by God to be the body of Christ. And in the book of 2 Corinthians, we're told that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. And yes, it is to reconcile men and women to God through faith in Jesus Christ. That vertical reconciliation. But it's also a horizontal reconciliation that, that we're supposed to reconcile people to one another. And, and it starts with us. If we have been slighted, if we've been hurt, if we're in a broken relationship, as followers of Jesus Christ, you can't escape this. You've been given a ministry of reconciliation. And I know the idea of uh, making up or, or uh, dealing with a hurt is scary because the reality is we live in a very consumeristic culture and that consumerism has crept into Christianity so that if you hurt me at church, guess what? I'm bailing on that church and I'm going to another. But that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to be consumers. We're called to be followers. And that calls us to invest in the body of Christ. That calls us to reconcile hurt. That means reconciliation between friends. That means reconciliation between family members. That means reconciliation between spouses, neighbors, you name it. We're called to reconcile. Why? And that's how the church can be the best place on earth. When we deal with the fact that we've experienced a slight or a hurt or even an abuse, and we can find the grace of God who loved us even when we were enemies, who reconciled us to him even when we were enemies, so that we can do the same thing, not just with him, but with one another. Paul writes these words, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ who have been given a ministry of reconciliation, who have been given the Holy Spirit, we have the power, we have the calling to reconcile with one another so that hurts are healed, abuses are dealt with, unreconciled relationships are reconciled. And so light shines in the darkness of loneliness and lonely people know that they have a God who is with them and they have brothers and sisters who are with them.
in this season of Christmas lights, the Christmas light, who is the light of the world, wants to shine into the lonely darkness of this world. And he wants us to respond. So let me share this with you. For those of you who feel loneliness, for those of you who are lonely, this is what I want you to know. That Jesus wants you to know that he is Emmanuel, that he is God with you. And he wants to shine in your dark loneliness. So let him shine. Let the power of the Holy Spirit shine into your dark loneliness. Let God speak to you by reading scripture and then talk back to him. Let him know, invite him into your life. Ask him to be with you in your loneliness. Look, all relationships require two-way communication. King David knew this. This is what he wrote. He said, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. So share your truth with God. He's near with you. He wants you to know that you're not alone. James, the half-brother of Jesus, tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, God is there. He, he's here with us. We need to draw near to him and then we'll experience his nearness. These verses show us that God is present wherever we are. We just need to be aware of his presence. We need to be intentional about connecting with him. Now, I hope you know that God is present when his sons and daughters gather together as the body of Christ to worship him with songs and listening to his word and connecting with each other. Uh, and that's what we're doing here today. But God's also present in our ordinary day-to-day -day life. So reach out to him, talk to him, connect with him. And while it can be hard to reach out to others when you feel lonely, Remember that God gave us each other and we belong to one another. So don't get stuck in your loneliness. Don't be alone. Intentionally connect with somebody in the body of Christ. Now that's for those of you who are feeling lonely. For those of you who are not feeling lonely, if you don't experience the darkness of loneliness in your life, that's great. If you're feeling connected to God and connected to the body of Christ and others, you are blessed but be aware that your experience is not everybody else's experience. Remember what Paul said, that in the church, we all belong together. We belong to each other. So would you allow the Spirit of God to use you to shine his light into the dark world of loneliness that others experience? Be intentional to connect with those that you know are lonely and reach out to those who you suspect are lonely. We need to care for one another as the scriptures tell us to do. Here's the truth. Jesus is the light of the world who shines into the darkness of this world and he shines into the dark loneliness of this world to be God with us through the, his presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And for us who call him Lord and Savior to reflect his light into the darkness of other people's loneliness. So let's do that. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to be the light of the world. 
We thank you that he came to show us the way to you, and we thank you that he is the fulfillment of a promise that was made centuries ago. And Father, we thank you that in this promise, we understand that he is with us. You are with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we know that you've called us to be your sons and daughters and that we need to care for one another so that no one walks in loneliness. So help us to be aware of that. If we experience loneliness, loneliness, help us to reach out specifically to somebody and be honest and real with them. And then help us to hear that and respond. Help us to be your hands and feet and your heart, reflecting your light into the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.